everybody! Bonnie, Tim, and Mike Erie here. We are Bonnie and Tim's last name is not Erie. So it's it's Bonnie Lewis, Tim Stafford, and Mike Erie. Just to be I thought you're making an adoption announcement. Well Bonnie is old enough to be my sister. Um as she approaches as she approaches. I think what you meant was young enough. Okay. And um and uh, anyway, so so welcome to the Vox Podcast. Thank you as always for tuning in. Thank you for um, uh, all that you do to participate, and we're we're so very grateful to be a part of um, the community that's kind of grown up around this. And uh, just a just a caffeine update today uh, on on Tim announced uh, prior to recording that his French press has broken, and so he is not caffeinated. Now, to some of you, some of you are thinking, "Wow." So Tim on the rest of the episodes was caffeinated, <laughs> um, and 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 so what's decaf Tim gonna be like? I, I don't know. It's just this is... a little slower. <laughs> <laughs> and on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Bonnie Lewis. Who? How many espressos have you had? Four shots. I've had four shots so far. So far, and it is it is ten thirty in the morning. <laughs> I've been up since five, though. So oh, okay. Not, oh well, it's okay. not awful. All right, so four shots, average about one per hour and fifteen yeah. minutes. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. That's the kind of pace. That's the kind of pace you want. Um, and then um, I had a diet Pepsi. So there, you, there go. you go. I know, I know. So healthy now. Um, all right, guys, we got a couple of things we got to take care of uh, before we dive in today. First of all, Nate um, uh, sent a question in, not my son, by the way, um, <laughs> although I wouldn't put it past him. Nate Erie is an expert Instagram troll um, to his father, but he's nice to everybody else. <laughs> he's um, really nice to me on there. <laughs> I, I know. He loves Bonnie. He just, you think that's coincidence, Bonnie? I don't think so. Um <laughs> Uh, no, I, uh, I, um, got a, got a question that just said, Hey, how can I support the podcast? And that was not a setup. I didn't plan to that question, but it gives me a great opportunity to remind you that we are entirely listener supported and, um, and, and that if you're interested in uh, participating, we have two uh, vehicles. They're both found at voxpodcast.com. One is something called Tithely which is an online platform that um, a, a lot of churches use. And uh, we've marked it Vox Collective on our webpage. Vox Collective is the, the, the overarching umbrella organization under which the Vox podcast sits. Um, and then there's a, a platform called Patreon. If you go to patreon.com, you search the Vox podcast, there uh, you can give, and it's and and then and it's different sort of tiers. You can give any amount, but but there are different tiers that you can give for different uh, bits of exclusive access and um, and different content. Um, and so that starts for as little as five dollars. I don't know if I already said that, and, and goes up to a much higher amounts than that. Uh, we have an amazing community of people who are with us in this and we're always wanting to invite new people on board. We think what we're doing and what this community is doing is super important these days. And uh, so if you're able and want to, please, we would welcome uh, all the support that you can give, particularly if your name is Bill Gates or <laughs> Jeff Bezos. Is that how you say it? Bezos? Jeff Bezos? 
Bezos. Um, is it B-E-S or B-E-Z? It's a Z, it's B-E-Z, yeah. right? It's a Z, okay. Anyway, all that is to say, um, we have redone our Patreon page with Pearl Jam-themed tiered levels. So um, for the four of you that know who Pearl Jam is, um, it should be all of you, but for the four of you, you will get a kick out of that. Otherwise, people are like, what, is, what are these? What's Pearl Jam? Is that a, is that, is that a form of jelly, Tim? And it you is know, not. No, we made that uh, uh, worship Spotify playlist, but maybe we need to make a Pearl Jam one. Do it! Okay, I don't have Spotify, so I don't know how to do that. Would you do that? Would you write that down, Tim, right yes. now on your phone? <laughs> I mean, I already have, I already and, have and listen, one, so... Oh, you do? Is it is it a bunch of twangy stuff? Because I want some rock. Twangy uh, stuff. I need some rock. Like... In there. I need, yeah, yeah. I need twangy. brain of Jay. You know what? I'm gonna come up with my own podcast list, my own Spotify list, because I just feel like sometimes there needs to be more female music representation in the room. The, wa- okay. the worship one has a bunch of females on it. Yeah, I, know. I meant. I'm sorry. I meant mainstream. She doesn't. Uh, she doesn't listen to worship music, is what I... you say. <laughs> that's that's all that's all that was i do say a point of clarification on the giving uh patreon is monthly right oh yeah yeah yeah. tidly can be tidly can be or someone could just give a one-time gift i know sometimes i want to give but i can't give monthly but i might have extra a month and i've really gotten out of a lot of uh a podcast or something like that that month and so then i'm able to give a little extra just one time so I okay to yes that. that's good and it's all tax deductible by the way awesome. so for those of you that care about that we are officially recognized by the irs as a 501c3 boom secondly we're going to be talking today uh about a super heavy topic we've covered it before um but it's you know it's it's very much timely and relevant and one of the things that we want to encourage you to do, if this is a helpful piece of content and conversation, we want to encourage you to share it mm. um, because um, we, we hear back from a lot of you that when we have conversations around heavy topics like this one's going to be around mental health, that uh, it's super helpful. And um, we want to make, so that's why we post on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. We want to make it, we want to make stuff that's easily shareable. Right. And so if that's you, we'd love it if you would share it, review it, rate it, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're, um, that, that keeps us uh, discoverable, but the sharing of it is the best thing. If, the, if this is helpful stuff, um, we encourage you to do that because um, we hear back from people who've discovered the podcast that way, and it's been very meaningful. So thank you for all of that. Today, um, what we've been doing in the last week, we're recording this in 2019, is that um, Bonnie and Tim and I have been sharing online about just a bit of our personal struggles with mental illness. And this kind of came after a another um, well-known uh, Southern California pastor uh, committed suicide. And... Um, and this, and I knew this guy a little bit from his mental health advocacy. He was a guy that posted a lot about uh, suicide and depression, and and how and Jesus didn't he start a ministry? Yes, yes, he absolutely started a ministry. Yeah, for mental and, health. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, and that's what it's always tragic, right? Um, but but somebody who's been so open and advocating for people with mental illness, I mean, there's just an extra dose of awful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there've been some hot takes 
per use on uh, the Christian social media sphere. And we have better things to do than critique hot takes. But there was one that got a lot of traction that um, isn't your normal, you just need to have more faith kind of thing. Yeah. So we thought um, we would read it and kind of react to it. And Tim, Tim asked if there was cussing um, allowed. So I have here, <laughs> I have here a couple of different uh, items. So this is, so this is when Mike makes a bad joke. <laughs> okay. Or, or if he makes, uh, or this one, this one will work too. This one Andy and I used like years ago to make big announcements. In a world that doesn't have enough female representation in Spotify, Bonnie Lewis forgets that a lot of the worship songs Tim chose were by females. And now we'll come up with our own podcast Spotify playlist. See, so that one that one comes in handy there. Or there's one. Oh, oh, okay, here's one. This is just the beep, the bleep button. All right. So this is, I'm going to use this. The reason I got onto this was for Tim. Ready? Here we go. So Tim, just say a sentence. That mother. <laughs> there it was. There it was. Perfect. All right. So anyway, um, so we want to talk about this and we want to go into some uh, some conversation that we've not gone before. Boldly go where, where people have not gone before. Uh, so Bonnie, why don't you cue this up? Okay. And um, and go ahead and start in, and then we'll just kind of interrupt and uh, talk about it as we go. Sounds good. Okay, this is what his post said. Um, in war, killing a soldier is productive, but killing an officer is victorious. The enemy clearly has an effective strategy in play. Somehow we Christians forget that some of Satan's best work is done in the church. As we all have watched, many... I, I don't think a lot of us forget that. <laughs> I know, I don't think I, so. I, I actually don't think a lot of us forget that. I, I think... Um, I think it's uh, talked about a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, at least at least in our, at least in our circles. Okay, go yeah, ahead. Okay. Sorry, um, finish that sentence, sorry. Okay, no. Um, as we all have watched, men who are placed in shepherding roles at churches are committing suicide and public apostasy at an alarming frequency. Okay, now hold on a second. So, so it's public. So, suicide and apostasy. He just um, said those are the same. <laughs> well, well, I don't know if he meant if he means that they are the same, because he's got an and. Uh, I well, maybe, maybe, maybe he does. He does. The I end. don't know. Okay, but that's interesting. That's an interesting like conjunction. It is. Uh, myth, I would mental illness and apostasy. It's on purpose. I mean, this okay. guy's a writer. So he okay. knows how to use words. Okay. So I, I don't know. Why don't know. you guys define? Why don't you guys define apostasy just in case? Oh, apostasy, falling away from the faith. Not to be confused with heresy, which is what Alan Hirsch and we talked about, which is, I thought, really a helpful definition. The apostasy is you just you're falling away. Yeah, Maybe so, backslidden was a, so a word. So he, he might not mean heard. it's the same thing, but he obviously, in some aspect, thinks they're linked. Okay. All right. So men. And so men. it's men who shepherd, and which is telling already. To be clear, I don't think he's calling men out and saying this only happens to men, but he's a complementarian, so it wouldn't happen to women because they're not in shepherding roles. 
Right. So I'm just saying that he's not. Okay. 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 Got it. But, but that's an interesting. That's an interesting conjoining of concepts: yeah. mental illness and apostasy. Public okay. well, and apostasy public has apostasy. Been a, public apostasy, baby. Yeah, what was been that, a Tim? Big topic lately. Yeah. But just public, with, I mean, we've obvi- obviously we've covered that in the last couple of weeks. So maybe he's maybe he's referencing other hot takes that are going on with. Um, well, I don't know. Cause, okay, let's keep reading. Because I think if you keep reading, he kind of defines it. I think okay. he did mean them together. Okay. Okay. So um, he goes on to say, these men did not have secret struggles either. Nearly all of these recent tragedies were carried out by men who openly confessed their mental illness and, and, and doubts of doctrine. So I think he's only talking about the tragedies being the suicide. And they were by men who struggled with mental illness and Doubted, doubted doctrine. Oh, wow. Okay. So now, now we have the linking of mental illness and doubt. Perfect. And yeah. And doubt of doctrine, which I think is right, interesting. Right, right. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The million dollar question is this. Good. I know. I'm glad we found it here. Why are churches placing men who are so candid about their current brokenness in positions of leadership. The Bible, because it's far better to put men who are open about their brokenness in positions of leadership than it is to put jerkwads like this guy who isn't open about his struggles in leadership. Right. Correct. But, yeah. This is assuming that there's two type of men, that there's the men who are open or the right. men who aren't because they're not struggling. Right. Boy, that's so <laughs> that's, that's so not good. true. Oh, God bless you. Yes. Boy, hey, you this guys, is you guys just answered the million dollar question, so you should send them a bill. <laughs> so we should send them hey, if you want to tithe that million dollars. That'll fund the box for a while. <laughs> that'll that'll decaf that'll decaf Tim right out of here. Let's go. <laughs> no, but okay, it does. So- it sets it up saying that exact thing. So that's ridiculous. Um okay. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so read that sentence again okay. just to make sure I got it in my head. Why are churches placing men who are so yep. candid about their current okay. brokenness in yep. positions of leadership? Okay. And now, could that – is that a fair question? I, th- I actually think it is um, because I think there, like, like, there's a very far off like, like kernel of truth that says, listen, in a world where – authenticity and vulnerability is so prized uh, where we might lack wisdom then in um, putting people who are sending clear cues about what they're wrestling with, you know, giving them platform and power, authority, celebrity, you know, maybe there's some, maybe there's needs to be some wisdom in that. And if that, if that's all that's being said, I'm like, okay, all right, that's fine. I mean, I would say, as a guy who struggles with anxiety and depression, I've actually hurt um, the church because of the decisions I've made out of that. And so it would have been good to have some sort of structure in place that when I'm whacked out of my head, um, you know, people could have said, hey, you're whacked out of your head. Let's not make any big decisions, you know, while, while you're whacked out of your head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nice. But I'm so taking that same thing, though, would have been better if you were placed in a position of leadership and you weren't open? 
I mean, how what would that have done to you to know I don't have a safe place? Yeah, well, that and I think that is what a post like this will cause people to do. They just right. won't be open then. If that, if that, if this is what happens when you um, commit suicide, and you get, and he says later that he knows this guy and is, and is this guy's friend, and and, and you're linking um, his suicide with doubts about doctrine, apostasy. Um, I mean, boy, you talk about. Um, uh, I don't know what a word strong enough is. I mean, streaming doesn't seem strong enough. Uh, but why Why the hell would anybody then be open, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think you're right. absolutely right. But but I think there, I think one of the things we're learning from the whole new reformed debacle of, of Josh Harris and Driscoll and Perry Noble and all that, that whole crew uh, is we, we give... Um, and I've said this before, right? We give we give people who don't have a ton of life experience a lot of responsibility, authority, yeah. celebrity, and um, I've found by personal experience that those things are much better better handled in the context of suffering, limping, grieving than they're handled in the context of dude, I'm freaking awesome. Yeah, agreed. You know what I mean? So, well, and so, I I do wonder though how much. So he was, you know, the guy that we're talking about that um, took his own life was a mega church pastor. So right. I also wondered the difference between a church, uh, what most churches are, a hundred people right. or less. Yeah, that's different. And yeah, see that, yeah, that, that's a different scenario. Point. That's going to play out very differently than yeah. a huge, huge mega church. No, that's such a good point. You, you got it. So and I, I wonder if, if the problem necessarily isn't the person in leadership. Our system, I think, lends to a, a certain type of pressure or giving that celebrity. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Our system yes. lends that. Yes. And I think that's, if I'm reading him at his most charitably, that's what I think he's trying to get at is that it's a system thing, too. I'm trying. I'm trying. All right, keep going. I'm trying. <laughs> We're just silent over here. We're like, okay. I know. Hold on. <laughs> I have a sound for that too. <laughs> Hold on a second. You're so. That's my cricket. You're just way more gracious than I am. I think about uh, it. Oh no no, but no, I I have to be like I have to work at. No, this. it's a. I was just gonna say that's it's a good practice, but and I learn a lot from you. But okay, oh. um, okay. So he goes on. The Bible gives very clear instructions regarding the qualifications of a shepherd in the church parentheses first timothy three and titus mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. they call for a man to be sober-minded self-controlled doctrinally yep. sound disciplined tested holy the list goes on mm -hmm. church it is not accepting or tolerant or understanding or compassionate to hire a man to shepherd a flock of god's people who is openly struggling with mental illness it's unbiblical. It's reckless. It's dangerous. And as we're seeing, it's an easy target for the enemy to rain down national tragedy, tragedy on the church. If your pastor has admitted to a state of mental illness, he needs to be discipled, not discipling others. He wow. needs physical rest, not intense spiritual labor. He needs privacy, not publicity. He needs diligent prayer, not overwhelming pressure. He needs to step down, not be lifted up. When an officer falls, many fall below. 
It brings confusion, doubt, fear, and a litany of concerns to those beneath. God has given us clear instructions in scripture that often that offer protection to his church. Every time we decide to break his commands, we only break ourselves. A pastor is not simply someone who is willing. A past, uh, yeah, a pastor is not simply someone who is gifted. A pastor is not simply someone who is educated. He is a man who meets all of God's qualifications. This is not legalism or biblical militancy. This is the safety of God's church. It is time to wake up. Boom. Well, I can't argue with that, so let's just move on. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, Tim. What do you think about that, buddy? Well, I don't know. Uh, you guys are going to be better at the the biblical context that he references. For me, the things that pop in that last section are the basically like you if you're struggling with these things, you should hide and not talk about them. It's kind of, you, you know, like you should not be publicly. What did he say? You should, you should be deal with it privately. It you should deal right. with it privately, which for me is a huge red flag. Um, and I, I don't remember what he said exactly after that. He said, he, says he needs privacy, not publicity, diligent prayer, not overwhelming pressure, step down, not be lifted up. Now, now, to some degree, I think he's critiquing the system there. And again, I'm trying to be charitable to say, I think there are cases where the, the system and what we mean by pastor in the megachurch context and what the expectations are, that feeds this and is unfairly burdensome. I think that can be true. I think that's true. But then I want him to say that. He's still yeah, putting the blame on the guy on the guy he's not putting yeah. the blame on the church and right. i hate to say it's probably because he's part of the system so either he doesn't see it or he can't say it but or he feels like he can't say it but if that's what he means that's what he should say because like tim right. said what you're taking away is that the blame is on the guy do you yep. know what i well, mean well yep and and it feeds into my sense of failure in the sense of well maybe he's right you know maybe i shouldn't be you know, maybe I shouldn't be a pastor. Um, I have hurt people because of mental illness. Okay, but who hasn't? And, who hasn't? Well, well, but but I'm just saying. I mean, there there's like there there there's a part of me that that just goes ah maybe maybe that's true. Maybe I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. You know, and I don't mean to make this about me. I just mean as a, as, as an exemplar of what he's talking about. A pastor who's publicly, you know, struggled with this for a long time now. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's that, the voice that just says, ah, he's right. Yeah. Um, well, I'd say it's an easy no to that. I think <laughs> yeah, you're. I would too. I, I would too. I was going to say, go ahead, Tim, and I'll finish. Well, you're, I, Mike, like your, your vulnerability in these topics, I think, has done far no. more good than whatever the. Uh, you know, whatever wreckage has been left behind it or whatever I, the people, it, it's I just like that the healing that and comes I'm, from it. I'm not making this about me. I'm, I'm. You're saying as a person reading this, that yes. whatever. Right. So that, well, that it, is about, it is about us though. I mean, we are the three that are reacting to this in live time and we are three people who struggle with this and we're three people who have been involved in ministry at pretty high levels. Right. So I just, 
okay, the, the response that you're having right now is the exact type of bullshit that it's that <laughs> this warrants. Okay, it's like it makes me <laughs> so furious because. Well, no, 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 no. I I get it. I get it. No, and, but, and I don't all feel that way. No, but what like I'm that, saying though is this: is because if it should have been about. If it sounds like he might be critiquing the system, then you have to say that because what we see over and over again coming out is that there's a broken system with broken people. That is true. Mm -hmm. But we're all broken, mm -hmm. whether you have mental illness or not. There are a million right. ways I've I've had pastors that haven't had mental illness and they have hurt the congregation and people and me in numerous ways. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? And, but the problem is, sure. and all of us can agree on this of having struggled with mental illness isolation is not the answer saying you are unfit right. to lead. I don't think is the answer. Yes. Give less, right, right, right. less pressure. That should be across the board. Yes. A pastor should be discipled. I don't care what they're struggling or not struggling with. That should be across the board. Yes. They should yeah, have just more like prayer. therapists are in therapy. Yes. Like those are just things we should be doing <laughs> in life. Like, I don't understand why this has to be like, don't let right. only pastors with mental illness need this. Like, has anybody considered right. that you could have entered a pastoral role with no mental illness and then gotten one because of the system? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like this whole thing just makes my mind nuts. <laughs> Boom! Gosh, oh. but again, I guess I shouldn't say anything because it's only men. So well, of course, of course, of uh. course. I know, I know, I know. I the so so we agree on the system critique if he's making one. Um, but we, there is there yeah. is a sense that that it will just drive more people into hiding, mm -hmm. and um, because I would if I were. If I were starting a church now, I would put a therapist on the board and I would, 100%. I would say, Hey, if there are big decisions being made, can this therapist attest that Mike is in a proper state of mind, uh, you know, having input on those things? Like I would, I would actually have that happen. That's so smart. And, and well, no, I mean, that's like, I hate it. I hate that. Why? But I've seen, well, I've just seen, well, because Bonnie, my, uh, I don't, um, let's see my, uh, I don't like being weak. I don't like being seen as weak. And that's all that keeps, I feel like sometimes that's all that keeps getting dished my way. Right. I didn't, mm. I, I don't want to be the family with the special needs kid. I don't want to be the, the, the obese guy in a culture that worships thinness. I don't want to be the, the anxiety guy. Um, and, and just be the identified patient. That was the thing I hated about coming forward with the initial anxiety is that everything just got written off to that mm. yeah and i was like oh that just sucks but but there's some of it that that's true yeah <laughs> but you know you become the identified patient and everyone else is doing fine no one else is sharing the ugliness so i don't know it's uh I, I just, uh, I think that having you saying you would like a therapy, a therapist on staff, I think to me, I just, and I didn't mean to say why or critique you on that. I am trying to say to you, I see that as a sign of strength. And well, wisdom. Yeah. Well, because I, I can be an idiot. Yes. So I don't, I see it. <laughs> nice. I see it as having to. That's not like, what I meant. <laughs> compensate. But no, no, no. But, but, but my, but my point is. 
in even bringing that up, um, that there are ways to do church that would help somebody who is wrestling publicly. Um, and then there, there, there are statements like this, that, that for anyone who has wrestled publicly, you know, now it's, 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 you know, you're kind of driven into hiding about it. No, for sure. This, this causes people in leadership to shrink down into themselves. And now we're going to see, not just because of this, but because of this attitude, we'll see more tragedy come from that. But then also this is causes the people in the congregation who are looking for help and answers and being, who are looking to be told that it's okay, that they're okay, that this is normal for a lot of people. They're going to shrink away too. And it's just like this kind of, this attitude causes everybody to pull inside and not deal with stuff. It's just, it's such a toxic, yeah, tragic vocabulary. Yes. Yeah. So we give that post a collective six thumbs down <laughs> is what we're saying. Yeah. yeah but, I'll even but, throw my toes in there. <laughs> <laughs> but here's, but here, so so if I were going to pick it apart, I would say the connection between mental illness and apostasy or doubting, I hate that. Yeah. I hate the tone and timing of this. That if this was a friend of yours and it's two days after his suicide, you're going to look at the church and say, hey, why are we putting guys like this in leadership? So that's a bunch of crap right there. Yeah. It seems like we're blaming this guy um, and, and we're blaming whatever church put him in leadership. Our counters are like, well, because there were a bunch of people that responded by saying, well, look at David and look at whatever. And he's like, yeah, but those were old covenant people. New covenant people are under a different set of obligations. And he quotes the Titus and the Timothy. Uh, the, the problem is that Paul, the author of those things, <laughs> um, really had, he really seemed to wrestle through some stuff. Yeah. Um, and, 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 um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not a therapist and I don't want to um, sort of read back anachronistically into the text, but I don't, I don't know if you'd call Paul emotionally stable. Um, certainly he was sober minded and I mean, he met whatever criteria, but I, I don't, Paul doesn't strike me as somebody who was struggleless. No. Um, and, and maybe according to our diagnostic criteria, there wouldn't have been anything, but when he talks about the thorn in his flesh, his agony over the churches, the way in anger he responds to certain accusations, um, he seems pretty human and pretty flawed. And I'm just like, well, I think the new covenant does. I mean, if you're if you're building the Jesus movement off of Peter, um, you know, I mean, there, I just don't. I I think it's biblically really um, inconsistent to say that sober-minded means you don't have um, mental illness. Right. Now, now, uh, okay, if, um, if you're bipolar, if you're schizophrenic, if, um, like, I, I, again, there, there, I think there are protections that you can take for the person and for the community, and that's wisdom. Great, done, perfect. But that's not all he's saying. Yeah. Um, and that's, man, that's where we just get off the boat. So, so Bonnie, what I decided to do yesterday with my time is I said, screw this guy. Let's come up with a theology of mental illness. Cause I don't, I don't, I've never seen one and I'm sure it's out there and I'm sure it's done by people much smarter, 
but but I wanted to get your sort of real time reaction, both you and Tim. And I want to I want to because I was thinking about okay, so if, if somebody said put mental illness in theological perspective, I'm sure this is out there. By the way, I'm sure it is, and I'm sure there's incredible stuff done on it. This is certainly, and all disclaimers, I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But I kind of thought of some stuff. So I want to see what you think. And I do this in reaction to this guy. Okay. Um, Because it's easy to critique him. Instead, um, I want to build a positive theology of mental illness that picks up the part that I think he's trying to identify, but does it in a way that's not as insane. (laughs) <laughs> does that make sense yes is that is that uh, tim does that sound okay yes please oh <laughs> all right so first question what does it mean to be human and, and 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 this is so oversimplified you guys so please this is a draft i'm this please i, I can hear the responses coming but this is just a start but i i think they're first we're made in god's image and it, and, and the image is communal Meaning that image was spread over male and female. There was there was togetherness. There was community. And when you read the New Testament, you see that that the the Father, the Son, and the Spirit live in this sort of oneness in essence, but threeness in personhood uh, that we call the Trinity. And so we're made in the image of a triune God, um, it, which I think has very very profound implications about how. Uh, we need to confront American individualism, meaning that we were never intended to be individual masters of our own fate, captains of our destiny, consumers of whatever it is that we mm. want and prefer. Rather, we were always meant to be knit together, specifically into family units and extended family units, but even tribes and communities and neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a profoundly relational aspect to the Imago Day the image of God in us, right? So we start there. Secondly, one of the things that said in the early chapters of Genesis is that that, uh, humans are a unique uh, spirit, physical hybrid. That like you take the creation of the man, the Adam, and he takes earth and fashions earth and then breathes his spirit, his rock, into this lump of dirt to make it a living being. And this is different. I mean, the Bible even talks about angels differently. Angels are spiritual beings that can manifest physically. Um, You have animals that are physical beings. We're not quite sure about a spiritual nature. Uh, But then you have humans who are this hybrid. And and that, that is one of the most important points the Bible makes about what it means to be human as it pertains to this topic. That we are clearly body and soul. Some say body, soul, and spirit. I, I will sidestep that entire argument. But we are body and soul united together. And it's the uniting of these together that make us human. In other words, um, it, it's not that we are souls trapped in bodies. It's not that we are the real me is the disembodied me. Um, but, but it is the union of, and that's why, that's why the new hope for us in episode four, uh, is is a resurrected body. It's not just we're floating around in heaven with right. harps. Um, we are we have resurrected bodies, and so the, so we are the hybrid of the physical and the spiritual. Which means 
that any spirituality that diminishes the spiritual in favor of the physical or diminishes the physical in favor of the spiritual is automatically suspect and not fully robust in terms of what it is to be human. And there is a deep, deep well of anti-Christian thought that has has masqueraded as Christian thought that has reduced the body. Right, the body is, but the body is what is entrapping the soul. The body is, um, right. it's the lump of flesh that carries around the real me. And and, and I get what's being said there, because uh, consciousness, you can't locate consciousness in me, um, you, like you can't find it in my body. Like there's a meanness that's separate from my body. That's true, but that does not follow then that the body and soul that 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 the relationship between the two means nothing. And so, so you have in the scriptures, the commendation, um, you know, give in Proverbs 31, right? It's give a depressed man wine or to Timothy, Hey, take some wine for your stomach issues, buddy. Like there, yeah. there's like, there's a, a permissiveness. There are physical problems, right? Jesus comes healing and casting out demons. There's both. Right. Right. So, so we have spiritual problems and, and, and we have uh, physical problems. Great. We would all agree with that. But there's been a deep theological neglect of that unity. There's been a, a much more Gnostic tendency yeah. to relativize the body and, um, and to focus just on the mind. The third thing that's said about human beings, and this ties into the first point, is that it's not good that they're alone. And part of the reason why this sort of posting is so um, uh, harmful and Tim, you you absolutely nailed it. Is that um, it? It further causes us to isolate. So, well, one author um, who a Brit a Brit from Holy Trinity Brompton, I love this. He said, um, "Christians who suffer from mental health are often subject to, and I love this phrase, a theology of unbelonging." Mm. Yeah. In other words. Yeah. What what bad theology does in the church, the the, the theology that says, or the, that used to be superstition and misunderstanding, but now it's, um, you know, depression is a decision, anxiety is a sin, mm. psychosis is always demonic, right? We always have to be positive. Positivity is a virtue, um, and all mental health problems can be resolved through prayer. Like these are things that I've heard and have been taught. I've heard mental health is. Um, corresponds to weakness or lack of willpower and discipline. Right. Um, you know, God can never give us more than we can handle. I've been told that. Yep. Um, if you feel fear or sadness, you just need better theology. Right. So, so already we're seeing how not understanding the communal nature of the human person, not understanding the physical, spiritual nature of the human person, how already you can start making these sorts of over-spiritualized statements that don't recognize the biological component that sits behind some, if not most, of mental illness. Correct? Correct. So that's yeah. where I'd start. I'd start with with an anthropology that just says, hey, here's... And there's much more that we could say there. Like, much more. This is overly right. simplified. So that was my first question. What does it mean to but be But man, the, the isolating stuff, like, for me, the mental illness, like, that, it's it's just constantly telling me to isolate. It's constantly telling me that... I'm I'm messed up. I don't belong in the circle and to go be by myself. Go be by myself. Go be by myself. Yes. So to yes. push against that takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of accountability, a lot of help. 
and to have a a, a group uh you know a church or somebody saying no you should it's just like you, it's literally speaking just into that you know little right. bastard voice in the back of your head that's like so, yes. oh, it's just so harmful yes yes yeah. yes yes um so the fir- that was my first question. The second question was, what does it mean to be mentally ill? Wait, can I interject really quick? Oh, of course. This is what I want. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Um, I was just going to piggyback because what Tim said uh, lit something up inside of me. And I was like, yes, is um, I, I, don't, um, I don't feel the need to isolate so much as I feel the need. Um, well, maybe that is isolation. But the, the, the voice in my head when I'm struggling says... Uh, you're too much. You're you're making life uh, hard for everybody. Uh, you're oof. you're too much for them. Um, mm. Like I'm a burden. And um, so what you just said about what it means to be human knitted for community, that flies in the face of that for me. And saying oh, no wow. because we're wired to be together and lift each and to be too much for each other. So that we need help to carry this thing along. Not like, oh, this is me by myself, and it's not okay to put my burden on somebody. Does that does that oh, make sense? Yeah, yeah. Woo. For me, it comes in the form of self-loathing. Mm. Um, I I hate who I am. I'm a failure. I'm pathetic. I should be stronger. Look at the look at people who suffer, and what they go through. They can handle that. Why can't you handle this? Mm um right so i mean it's fascinating right we isolate we in many isolate different differently. ways yeah yes absolutely and um you know and part of the work of the spirit and part of the work of the new community birthed by the spirit is to be calling us out of hiding mm-hmm. and um and so anyway that that's that's very well said you two um so i i and here's what i'm looking for i'm looking i i I'm just throwing this stuff out to see what you guys react to, what you guys think. Um, because I, I want to be able to say to somebody like this on theological terms, not just, dude, do you realize the harm that's going to do? Because um, he does it, obviously. Yeah. Um, and and I fear for what will happen in the next 10 to 15 years of someone like that's life, right? Because yeah. that's a long way to fall. And I've made that journey myself. So I I know. Um, So what does it mean to be mentally ill was the next question I wanted to wrestle with. And, 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 and I'm talking exclusively in biblical categories, right? There are diagnostic criteria all over the place. Uh, Biblically emotions are normal and healthy, right? Fear, worry, isolation. I mean, we see all of these in the people of God, failure, control, anger, jealousy, lust. I mean, right? We're not shocked. We see worry. We see what sometimes looks like depression, what sometimes looks like anxiety, sometimes looks like mania. Um, We don't want to anachronize all that, but um, we we certainly see the varied range of human emotion. Right. So to be mentally ill does not mean to be emotional. It doesn't mean that you're automatically demon possessed, right? Because Jesus went around healing people and casting out demons. So there are two different categories there, right? Being physically sick and demon demonized or demon possessed. Now the response to that will be, yeah, yeah, but the physical illness that Jesus was uh, rebuking were things like fevers, um, uh, blindness, right? Uh, somebody's foot was lame, they couldn't walk. 
Um, the the but the the demonized people were manifesting insane behaviors like self harm, um, uh, calling out you know in many voices like a dissociative like multiple personality disorder. Um, so on, so on, so on. And so they'll say, hey, but in, you know, in reality, the biblical writers saw mental illness as demon possession. I don't, I don't agree with that for a, a lot of different reasons. And I, I don't want to get into that, but I, I do want to say demonized is a legitimate biblical category. That is true. And I actually think that happens even to Christians. Uh, I totally disagree with those, the, those who think that, that, I think I think I think there is a supercharged darkness uh, at operation in the world, and I do think it can manifest personally. That's that's my theological opinion, but I've also seen it in really kind of crazy scenarios. So I believe it's real, absolutely. But I don't believe that the Bible would render what we would call mental illness uh, automatically into demonized terms. Right. I don't I don't think that at all. So any ministry that just says, "Hey, you have a demon of depression," well, okay. Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. Right. We just, we're just not going to run to the simple here. Uh, and we're certainly not going to, the first thing you're going to say to somebody is, Hey, we need to perform an exorcism because, um, you're, uh, you're really depressed because you're I mean, sad. How? Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Right. Second thing is we live in the now and the not yet. And so there is the reality of the, the fall. However you understand it happened. Sin and death entered the world. Um, the, the disordering of the human personality, because I mean, it's just writ large all throughout scripture, right? Because on the one hand, you can't say, look at how ugly and messy scripture is and hate it, but then say, hey, but scripture presents this beautiful rosy picture of human beings. You can't do it. No, it's ugly. And, and it's ugly because it depicts human life in a fallen world. And so we're, we are the community that actually has resources to talk about evil and fallenness, not just in moral categories, right? It's not just your fault that life is mm, hard. It's not yeah. just, you know what I mean? Like we have the resources. Um, so to be mentally ill doesn't mean that you are emotional. It doesn't mean that you're demon possessed. Um, and it doesn't mean that you are wrestling through the brutality of life in a fallen world, right? Of course, we all, we all do that. Is this making sense? Yes. Yeah. I think your point you just said about um, the many different layers of the fallen world is big because so many times I've heard um, when talking about suicide or depression or anything like that is like, why did that person choose to do that? Or why did that mm. person choose this? Like we were discussing earlier. And yeah. I know from experience that it's not a choice. I legit You're not always have, making clear decisions there. No. And like I have a chemical imbalance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like right, that's right. A, that's part of me, and like, and so I think I like I really love that part because it's um, saying, hey, like the whole thing, the whole world, the whole thing is fallen. It's not you being a screw up, making a poor choice right. in a good world. And, and and could it be that you've screwed up? Of course, right. And could it be the decisions that have been made? by you or things that have happened to you because of others have absolutely oh yeah all that's true but what we can't do is come across somebody who's wrestling and make those judgments ahead of time right we the the christian worldview gives so much language to what somebody could be going through 
It could be consequences of the fall and just the fact that cancer is a thing and that our bodies, we weren't meant to experience death, right? And, um, and so the loss of a love, I mean, come on, we have, we have so much to say about why the world is as it turns out to be, why the world is as it is. But um, I, I, I think that we cut off all of those rich resources for people when we just simply say, yeah, it's just a spiritual issue or um, it's just a willpower issue or whatever, because that's, no, we have life in a fallen world. We have another team on the field. I think the fall affects even our genetics. Yeah. Quite honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't think birth defects were in God's perfect plan for human beings, right? I don't think we'll have birth defects in heaven, which raises a fascinating question about Seth Erie and what sort of resurrected body he'll get. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but now again, those aren't, this is not full or complete or from a psychologist. So, so what is mental illness? Well, it, it is, um, it is a set of categories that are helpful in describing um, behaviors, feelings, and thoughts that at times, you know, become overwhelming. It's not, it's not that you feel depressed, but it's when depress depression sort of becomes your life, mm -hmm. right? It's not just the normal worry. It's the supercharged anxiety that seems to take over your physical body, right? Yep. Is that right? Am I saying this okay? Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, then I, I wondered and wandered into this question. What does Christianity uniquely have to offer? Mm, I like that. Let's hear it. Um, to sufferers of uh, mental illness. One is we have a ton of freaking awesome vocabulary. <laughs> we like, do. Like, we, like you can't read the Psalms. And I'm going to read some because they're so good. Like you don't need to wonder what to pray when you're pissed mm -hmm. or when you are been betrayed or when you're... One, you want to get even with your abuser. You don't have to, like, there's language for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I from Job, I cry out to you, God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. You turn on me ruthlessly. Mm -hmm. With the might of your hand, you attack me. Oh, come on now. I, I mean, uh, or, or, you know, Hannah, she's praying for a son, right? The weeping over a child. Yeah. Um, uh, she, she, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Eli comes in and rebukes her cause she's so like extravagantly weeping. Um, uh, and, and she has this, this prayer that she prays there, or you get to like David's Psalms. I'm worn out from groaning all night long. I fled my bed with weeping and drenched my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. Mm. They fail because of all my foes. I mean, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Right? I yeah. mean, you have all of this. Read the book of Lamentations. Read Habakkuk 2. You know, very popular portion of, of the Bible. Um, <laughs> there, there, my Psalm 88 is the most depressing, crushing psalm in the history of the world. I just got to read this. Like, like to think that this is somehow separate from life of faith or from God. I mean, it just ignores, it, it ignores so much of the scripture. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm overwhelmed with troubles. My life draws near the grave. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like a man without strength. I'm set apart with the dead. 
Um, you have cut me off from your care. You've put me in the lowest pit. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. You've overwhelmed me with all of your waves. You've taken from me my closest friends. You've made me repulsive to them. Yeah. I'm confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim uh, from grief. And then, and then he's, oh, oh, and he gets worse. For me, my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You've taken from me, friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Mm. And then that's it. (laughs) That's all it says. It ends right there. And the thing that's so crazy is that this was one of the worship songs sung at the temple. (laughs) Right? What other? What other? Worldview provides such beautiful resources for people to cry out in agony, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I'm just like, holy crap, this is so good, right? Because sometimes I just don't have the word. And then you have Paul talk about how sometimes the spirit just groans in our weakness. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, some of the best stuff. Yeah, go ahead, Bonnie. I was going to say, I totally agree. And I also think to kind of loop this back to what we just talked about isolation we have the best resources too in in terms of stories we have these stories in the bible oh don't hey don't 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 you dare because that's number two (laughs) okay oh wait nope nope bonnie lewis come on same wavelength totally 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 so we have so what does christianity uniquely offer we offer vocabulary baby Boom. Well, for language, but we offer, I mean, and I don't know where I heard this, but we offer stories. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if anyone's thought of that before. I don't think so. Did you, did you just come up with that? Yeah. I mean, it's a little unclear when you wrote that, but it's fine. <laughs> oh, but, but I mean, I, but I love this, right? Yeah. I mean, so here's this guy, Elijah. It's one of my favorite stories. This is one of my favorite stories. And he had just taken on, what was it, 450 prophets of the false god Baal. Mm-hmm. And they had this big showdown about, is Israel going to worship Baal or is Israel going to worship Yahweh? And, um, and Jezebel is the ruler at this time. And, and uh, so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. So this is right. an oath formula. If by this time tomorrow I do not take your life, uh, or make your life like one of them, like one of the priests that Elijah killed. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He came to Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So, right, so we've got isolation. He came to a broom bush, which is very low, so he's laying down. And under it, he prayed that he might die. Now, how about that? All right. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. All right. He's just had the most incredible victory, like God showed up moment in almost all the Old Testament. And I'm no better than my ancestors. Take my life. Now, I love what God does. All at once, an angel, now this is a manifestation of God, touched him and said, get up and, do you remember? Eat. Eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. Oh my gosh! Can and you a imagine? jar of water. Can you imagine he how ate. life-giving that would be? <laughs> he ate and drank, and then lay down again. Oh 
And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. Mm. In other words, God will give you more than you can handle. So he got up ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went to a cave and spent the night. Now this, okay, here begins a theology of God's care, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, we have fundamentally in the incarnation, uh, a, a Jesus who took upon himself all of the fallenness of human experience, except the willingness to sin. And, um, and so he experienced hunger, thirst, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever. But, but even bigger than that, here you have an instance where a prophet is wrung out, depressed, suicidal, whatever word you want to use. And he's just done. Put a fork in me, God. I am done. Yeah. And instead of saying, hey, you just need more faith or you just need to pray more. Or now all of those things I'm sure were true of Elijah. I'm sure he needed to pray more and I'm sure he needed more faith and, you know, just get over it. Or, um, you know, we'll need to take you out of leadership for a while while you get your act together. Right. I mean, none of that. Hey, just get up, get up and eat and drink and then go back to sleep and then get up and eat and drink again. Right. And now, and now the journey's too much for you. I mean, come on now. Maybe he was referencing the physical journey because in his physical weakness, Sure. But, but I think the New Testament also teaches in, in second Corinthians that no, there's a, there's a sort of spiritual, like psycho weakness that we all have that God just seems to tenderly react to, mm -hmm. you know, so you, you don't have to wonder what God's like, right? You have the, in yeah. priority, the example of Jesus, but then you have these other stories where, where David is full of these. If you get a chronological Bible, they will put the, the specific Psalms into the narratives where David is running away. And That's they'll put cool. a Psalm that says, hey, this was when David was running away. And you read the Psalm next to the narrative. Because I, I just take the Psalms and isolate them from the rest of the Bible. But when you right. read them in narrative context, they're like, oh my goodness, this... There's something so incredible here. And then you see what, what God did in response to his prayer. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, so, so we, have, we have a vocabulary. We have, um, we have a savior and a God who, who understands and is tender and kind-hearted. And then we have, dadgummit, uh, a community that's supposed to be a community of reconciliation and restoration. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a super important point because... What Jesus did when he healed is that Jesus wasn't just healing a physical disease. Jesus was also healing the social isolation that came from the physical disease. Mm. So when the woman who's been hemorrhaging blood for 12 years touches the hem of Jesus's cloak in a hugely messianically significant way, right. that's why Jesus stops and says, okay, who is that? And she trembles before him, explains her situation, and he heals her. And the word for healed there, or your faith has saved you, I think. Ah, uh, no, it's healed, but it also means saved. It's this really interesting word that, that means you've been healed holistically. Right. Now, that woman had to be isolated from the community because of her blood. She's now, she's welcome back. He even calls her daughter. Mm -hmm. Or take... Um, Take uh, 
the 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 um oh who am i thinking of the leper um untouchable jesus touches the man and makes him clean right the designation clean meant restored back to temple worship restored back to synagogue Mm. restored back to family right it wasn't just the physical illness it was the isolation that went along with it or even take zacchaeus's sin right even the isolation of sin here's the most notorious sinner in the region he's he's so unpopular he's sitting in a tree far away just to get a glimpse of jesus Jesus sees him, the man repents. Jesus says, truly, this is a son of Abraham, right? I mean, what's Jesus doing there? He's restoring him back. The church is the place, has to be the place where we not only work on, uh, on, on providing resources for those struggling, but we work to eliminate the stigma that this is the place where where the they the, we anticipate the records the great reconciliation to come we be we become that ahead of time mm-hmm. and we we are not i mean and this is so important everything we've talked about can 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 be traced back to the failure of the church in this regard yeah um to not be the place of reintegration of people who whether they're special needs right and they're autistic and they interrupt the service or they're epileptic or they have down syndrome or they're bipolar or they are um, schizophrenic um, or they have multiple person. I mean, right. A lot of this, this is the place where, where we don't just want to help people find healing with mental illness. We want to find, we want to provide them healing from the social stigma attached to it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that is one of the most important Agreed. roles of the, of the, of the church, whether it's in race relations or gender confusion or whatever, we're to, we're to be that place where the hard work of reconciliation and reintegration and restoration is done. And, um, and so, you know, when you have a church leader or influencer, like the one we've mentioned, doing the exact opposite of that. Um, you know, I think it becomes a tough for us to swallow. Makes sense so far? Yes. <laughs> I also think I have three more things <laughs> that Christianity is uniquely to offer. I'm sorry I'm doing so much talking. You're good. No, this is good. Um, uh, three more things. Uh, we have an anthropology that, that makes room for the spiritual. In other words, um, I think there is much to be commended in um, uh, talk therapy, other forms of therapy. Um, I think I think at times medication can be hugely helpful. Uh, but I would also say there is the, there some of, some of these issues have spiritual components too, and I wouldn't in the same way I would not want to over spiritualize mental illness, I would not want to under-spiritualize it either. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're in a unique position to, to talk about the spirituality of mental illness, a, a deep theology of suffering and bearing burdens with one another. Um, I think we've got a lot to say there. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. um, we're, we're um, from an evolutionary, you know, uh, biological perspective, you can only say so much. Um uh, from a uh, uh, Christian perspective, I think there's more we can say about what it means to be in the Imago Dei, what it means to to have Christ present with you in this, you know, blah, 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 blah. Make sense? Yeah. 
Yes. Tim? All right, you're looking at me funny. Um, fifth thing we have uniquely offer is a take on the reality of evil. Mm. That, that like, we take evil very seriously. And now that could be used to blame, right? Um, and we see that weaponized all over the place. But I, I really do. One of the most important books I ever read was a book by Scott Peck called People of the Lie. Mm. And it was him wrestling with the fact that evil seemed like it was something more than just the sum total of bad human choices. And it was really, really interesting. Uh, I don't agree with everything, obviously, but, but we, have, we have a way to talk about evil that I think is important. And then lastly, and most importantly, we have the example and presence of Christ. Mm. I mean, that's at the end of the day, I have seen now when I'm when I'm in the lows, I don't feel Jesus. I don't hear Jesus. I feel like God's left. But when I look back, it's like footprints with only one pair of footprints <laughs> in up. the sand. And for a and, second I thought that you were dead serious. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. But but I, I will say, I will say. Mm-hmm. I do see the grace that came along the way. Yeah. I would never have seen it at the time. I didn't feel it at the time. I yeah. couldn't. Everything within me was shouting and burning and on fire and awful. Yeah. And yet I look back and I go, okay, wow, wow, that came. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that Jesus really was present and he showed me his presence. Not, I couldn't feel it at the time, but looking backward, I see it and I bookmark it so that when it happens again, I can go back and say, yep, even, even when I wasn't feeling it, he was there. Yep. And then, and then the last thing, um, I think a Christian theology of mental illness could talk about is, is how do we. How do we commend treatments to people? In other words, um, if we believe that human persons are spiritual, physical unions, and that breaks down into emotional, physical, mental, spiritual categories, social categories, then I think there is a, a theology that says um, a part of this can be emotional, and here's what we do when that happens. Part of this can be physical. Here's what we do when we discern that. Part of this could be mental. Here's what we do when we discern that. Part of it can be spiritual, and here's what we do uh, when we discern that. And and certainly a lot of it is social, and here's what we do when we discern that. Like we have an anthropology that allows us to take hold of treatments regardless of from where they're they're coming from. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? That's if good. this physically, if 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 taking um, an antidepressant physically brings me to the place. And this was the only reason I started on meds was my therapist argued, um, as long as the anxiety is dominating you, you won't think about anything else. Yeah. And you, you won't go into the, the work, the soul work was his word of like excavating. That's true. And, and that was true, man, that was true. I didn't take medication to be healed. I took medication to help find healing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's a huge distinction. Um, and so uh, are we afraid of counseling? No. Are we afraid of medication? No. Are we afraid of talk therapy or there's this light? What, 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 what were they recommending to you? Oh, I didn't look it up. It's something? a type of therapy. Um, and it has something to do... I, you know, I'm not even going to pretend to know. It's on the last okay. post. I just, I need to look it up. I just haven't since yesterday. 
Yeah, um, no, but I've heard yeah. it, I've heard it recommended to me too. Yeah. And somebody explained it, and it was like, "Whoa, that's interesting." Yeah. Um, are are there spiritual issues? Yes. Um, is it okay to say to somebody, "Listen, God is real, and you can trust Him, and throw yourself on Him in prayer"? I mean, Peter says, "Cast your cares upon Him; He cares for you." Yes. All we're saying is we're fighting the temptation to reduce mental illness to just one of these categories. Right. A robust Christian theology says, no, 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 because we're really complicated beings and because the fall has affected every domain of creation, right? We don't get to just sit back and and write large labels and right. stick them on people. It just doesn't work that way. What were you going to say, Bonnie? Oh, no, I was just going to say, I agree with you. And I think that... um in some ways, even they're integrated. Like when Tim shared yes. and he said, my anxiety developed, I developed these stomach issues. I really yep. resonated with that when we had our stillborn part of it was medical, but I was severely depressed in my back. I had a really bad back pain, but then even after my back was healed, I'd get flare ups of, um, sciatica mm. on that same side. And mm. I read this book i didn't make it all the way through but what i read i i liked i need to finish it but it's called body keeps the score and mm, i've heard of it yes yeah and it's about when tr tr you go through trauma it shows up physically in your body and um i believed that to be true on the other side of it but what's interesting about that is that it was very much connected to a spiritual dimension of the trauma if that makes sense like Absolutely. theological reasons i thought the trauma happened yes yeah. So then like five years later, actually just this past year, somebody I knew from that season of life wrote to me and said some very mean um, things and called me mean names. Mm. And what was crazy about it, though, is I read it. I broke down and I woke up the next day with the most awful sciatica. I couldn't even walk. And it was like, oh, wow. oh, I haven't had that. And this is the same trigger. Does that make sense? It was so, so when you oh, said yeah. that, I was like, oh, of course, of course, it's so integrated. We are integrated holes. Yes, yes. go yeah, ahead. Well, think about stress is the number one killer in our country. Yep. Just for the effects that it has on, you know, what it does to your body. No, that's exactly right. Exactly right. And that's the anthropology we offer is we are complex holes. And, um, and the, there's a soulish part that, you know, so, so, cause, cause I hear the critique I hear a lot from people is, yeah, they just need Jesus. And absolutely. I, I want everybody to find Jesus. Absolutely. He's amazing. And life with him is amazing. However, life with Jesus does not mean life without suffering and to reduce, um, are suffering to solely spiritual, just pray, read the Bible more, uh, I, I think ignores the complexity of human emotion and human personalities presented in the scriptures, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and the reality of what we're learning as we study uh, brain chemistry and, and uh, different regions of the brains lighting up to different you know, stimuli and all those sorts of things. So, so my personal opinion is that the Bible warns us against the world in one very specific way. There, the Bible uses the word world in three ways. It can mean the ordered universe, the world, uh, the earth. Um, it can mean uh, the inhabited 
earth, the people on the earth, right? So the world can mean like the people. It can mean the place. It can mean the people. Or the world can mean the powers and principalities that are organized against and resistant to God. And so people will often say, listen, you know, therapy is worldly or yoga is worldly or whatever. And I, I can't speak to yoga, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, hot yoga. That's just the greatest, like, two words ever. Um, but I can speak to things like. Um, you know, the objection that, well, if the therapy isn't rooted in the Bible, it's not legitimate therapy. Mm. Or if the counselor isn't Christian, it's not, it's not Christian counseling. And I want to say that, um, I think there is permission, um, to take, uh, and, and, and receive the blessings of culture, even if they're not explicitly labeled Christian, you know? I also think there's discernment needed, right? Because there are parts of culture that are hostile to God. Absolutely. But I think that the temptation to just say, hey, unless it's Christian, um, it's not true. That's false. And then the corresponding conviction to say, hey, if it's Christian, it must be true, is is equally as false, but infinitely more harmful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So, So I think we can come at this saying, listen, there, there are places that are good. There are therapists that are so helpful. There's, there are therapists that aren't good and that aren't helpful. Uh, and get out of there. Absolutely. There are psychiatrists who are medical professionals who are good and helpful. And then there's some that aren't. I mean, just like in any profession. Mm-hmm. But we don't, we don't have to sit in the trap of saying, well, if it's not Christian, it's not good. Right. You know, I, don't, I, I think the Bible gives us uh, permission to sift and sort and to test everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that would be, so if I were going to theologically respond to that guy, this is kind of the framework of how I do it. What do you think? Well, I think you did it. <laughs> I think you theologically responded <laughs> and I loved it. I, um, it made me think about different dimensions that I forget to think about, but that bring in mm. A full picture so i really um i appreciated that a lot about it is that scout <laughs> sorry no why are you sorry hi scout she can't hear you she said mommy off your work absolutely she, she's mommy off your work perfect perfect mommy off your work amen <laughs> amen all right well tim any closing thoughts, my friend? I, I was thinking about this yesterday when I was teaching because um, a text that we were going through brought up this um, Japanese art form, Kintsugi. Do you know what that is? Oh, is that the... Um... Yes, you're going to say it and I'm going to know it. So they, they it's like uh, pottery or bowls that have been broken and they're mended back together with this gold... Yeah glue and gel and paint and it makes these beautiful pieces of artwork that are like dramatically unique because no bowl breaks you know the exact same way so the cracks are all you know maybe one giant crack and maybe something that's been shattered into a bunch of pieces and maybe one that has been put back together but is missing a piece but it looks really kind of beautiful in that weird way with the way it's put back together 
So I was thinking about that yesterday because we have a tendency when we think things are broken to just kind of brush them or throw them away and how beautiful and unique these things are when they were mended and, and kind of glued back together with this gold mm. paint glue. I don't yeah. have a point with that. I was just thinking about it in context of this stuff yesterday. <laughs> well, well, I, I think that's exactly the picture you get um, from the people God uses, right? It's not ever, right? I mean, Paul even calls us jars of clay, right? right? And he does that so that God gets the credit. So we're not tempted to think it's all us. Yeah. Cuz that's 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 the that was the essence of the fall, right? It was autonomy. Like we will make a life apart from God for ourselves. Yeah. And um so I think that's actually a really beautiful really beautiful picture. Bonnie, is there uh you had mentioned off air a book? Oh, um, that was the Body Keeps the Score book. Oh, okay, that was the Body Keeps the Score yeah, book. I know I also Oh, go ahead. Okay. No, no, no. Who's the author? Do you know? Oh, no. I'll look it up, though, while you're talking. Okay. Um, I also have one to recommend. Um, I, I was I have a dear friend named JP. I studied under him at uh, Talbot School of Theology. I said philosophy. And he went through a really dark season and um, has has written a book uh, that I thought was right here. All right. So while you look up yours, Bonnie, I'm going to look up mine. Okay, I found mine. It's called The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. Um, and it's by uh, Bessel van der Kolk. K-O-L-K. <laughs> no, say it, say it fast. No. M-D. No, thank you. So, um, but in... Um, just like we were talking about, it's a more of an integrated approach. Because sometimes... I know I'm heading into a season anxiety because my body tells me so before my brain yeah. or my mind does. So yes. it's kind of a way to get ahead of it for me. Um, yeah. So yeah. For the more, that's excellent. For the more philosophically minded, this is called Finding Quiet. And it's my journey of, or my story of overcoming anxiety and the practices that brought peace. Mm. And... Um, so anyway, it was it was an interesting, interesting read for sure, because I because I know him and I've, you know, um, have watched this sort of play out. Anyway, um, those would be two resources that you could find interesting. I don't I don't do a ton of I, most of the stuff I've learned about this has come from therapists. Yeah. And so I, have, I always take notes and stuff, but um, I don't know of a lot of, I'm sure there are other incredible books out there. Uh, I just don't know of any off the top of my head. Tim, you got anything? The one that was recommended to me that was given to me, and I haven't read the whole thing yet, but it's called The Imp of the Mind, mm. Exploring the Silent Epidemic of Obsessive Bad Thoughts. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. And it's like I said before we started recording, you know, it just starts right off the bat explaining how many people deal with these thoughts that your brain makes up and then tells you are true about these terrible things that you've done that even logically you may know didn't happen. Yeah. But everything in your body says that it does. And for me, one of the biggest struggles I have with mental stuff is perseverating. Like yeah, once I baby. start, I just, I just go down that hole and define I, that, define that for people. 
uh it's just fo it's just like dwelling hard on one thing and then just running with it and digging that hole and going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and i i've gotten a little bit better at like telling my wife that i'm in the middle of that and she can help pull me out of it mm. but part of this bad part of this this type of anxiety and depression is that you just get locked into a tunnel and you start going down it and then the more the lies speak into you the more they become your reality and the easier it is to go deeper because you do feel like you should be isolated yeah oh well and clearly timothy um you are uh not qualified to be a pastor so <laughs> right <laughs> sorry um, to i do want to say one thing you. that my therapist told me around those same lines is like she said i stopped seeing this therapist because she also said something that was horrific but this she did say this good thing <laughs> I'll, oh, I'll tell you the bad thing too because it's actually it's so messed up but anyways she said um the thing about trauma is that say you have a um something that happens to you that's traumatic then if you hit a trigger for that trauma your brain and body goes back to the first instance of mm. the trauma and so mm. you have to work really hard to say no this is a new situation this is a new scenario scenario so i can have the same outcome yeah yeah so that was wow. really healing for me because I and, and it gave me a lot of uh, grace for myself because I was always like, why am I spinning this out of control when it's not going to be the same thing? Um, but then along those same lines that we talked about, like have I think it's a good practice to go to therapy um, and have somebody that you talk with about what your therapist is saying. Yes, that's awesome. So. Because someone can say to you that doesn't sound right <laughs> so like no, I, I have had friends who have had terrible therapists who said terrible wrong things to them but they thought that because they were in the therapist's room that that that, that the, what they were saying was correct and it caused harm and damage and pushed them off of therapy for a long time and it's like oh man yeah so like this person i had just gotten done telling her what that my trauma was from a stillborn and all my anxiety is around germs and that something terrible is going to happen to the health of my children. Yeah. yeah. And she said, looked at me dead in the eye right after and said, you can take it or leave it. But the reason why you have that anxiety is because you're psychic and everything that you think will happen to you. Wow. What? And wow. I was like, oh, wow. Now I'm terrified to think. And so what was oh, great, yeah. I mean, hello, is I called my friend who oh, was a therapist Lord. and I'm like, hey, I need you right. to tell me as a friend and as a therapist. She was like, right. no, you need to find a different therapist. So I think Amen. I just want to say, I think it's just like what you said, like just because it's Christian doesn't mean it's great. Just because it's non doesn't mean it's bad. Same thing. Like we have to be in community even when we're in therapy and working through oh, these kind of things. So Bonnie, great pickup. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would process with people what I was learning too. I mean, yeah. it was, it was, it was actually some of the best stuff Yeah, it was uh, people reflecting on my reflecting about what I was hearing going. Yeah, that's yeah. actually, that's actually true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dang. I always, I hate talking about this stuff. I always feel like yesterday it felt like the anxiety was coming back. Mm. Yeah. You know, like the lie in my head was it's coming. It's not going. It's coming. You don't dare freaking wake this up. Mm. You know? Yes, I do. Oh, I do. Yeah, I saw, I, know, I know exactly. Well. Like, if I say that, then this will happen or whatever. Yeah. Yep, I know. Yep. Yep. Know. Yep. Oh, all right. But, but this whole well, conversation is why we need people who understand mental illness to be in pastoring roles. 
Oh, snap. Damn. And a big shout out to our community for being people that have held us well this past week and have restored us back saying like, hey, thank you for sharing. I see you. I just want to say that's huge for our community. And I'm I was so grateful. And it was like a pleasure to watch with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's going out today. So I'm thrilled. Um, <laughs> Everybody should have seen his face on that one. <laughs> what did you say? You said, I'm so mad at you two for setting the vulnerability bar so damn high. <laughs> that was Tim's fault. Tim led the way. Oh, oh. and it's, it's so important that, you know, the reason we do this is, is I, I can't tell you when I first was anxious I didn't even know there was such a thing as an anxiety disorder. And right. I didn't know what I was feeling. I just, every day I was, I, I, I mean, I just can't even describe how awful it felt. Right. Uh, but but I, I searched anxiety once and I, I found, I kid you not, celebrities that have anxiety. And I found there was a list of 25, this is before BuzzFeed articles. Um, and and it was so helpful. It, that that is helpful, yeah. I would go and, yeah. and find Yes, I would go and find like stuff they'd done on it. And I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, I'm not insane. I'm not alone. Like right. there was so much, so much help in just knowing that. And so that's the reason we, we talk about this. It's my goodness. It's not because it feels good for us to talk about. Good Lord, no. <laughs> yeah. And it's good for, but, but I mean, it's not isolating. So that's exactly that's point. No, this conversation is great for the three of us. I think, I mean, for me, listening to this and talking about this stuff out loud is helpful. Yeah. Sure, it's not the most, you know, entertaining or <laughs> whatever yeah. a conversation, but. Yeah, this is tough to work out to. Yeah, exactly. But it's great because going forward, if I say to you, I'm, I'm having a hard time today because something, I don't have to explain a backstory. No, we got it. You got, no, you know what it. I mean. <laughs> yep. Which is nice. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you want to be pursued there. Right. 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 I mean, it's, it's not a, oh, okay. Let, oh, okay. Let's leave her alone for a while. <laughs> right. No, no, exactly. Exactly. All right. Anyway. Uh, all right, friends, if this has been helpful, would you share this? Um, again, we're just trying to um, help people um, kind of come to grips with what it means to follow Jesus and be dealing with this stuff. And there's just so much crap out there that, um, you know, feel like it, it's worthy of a conversation. And certainly a conversation like this is worthy of a blessing. And mm. because my slacker co-hosts have not yet memorized <laughs> Numbers chapter six, I am stuck yet again, yet again by offering the blessing. All right. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And in these days, oh my goodness, may he give us peace. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen and amen. All right, until next time, friends. Thank you. Thank you.